Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. The Price A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, verse 10 Serving God faithfully often comes with a price. This three-part parable illustrates the depths that price can reach. The Price, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Story One Everybody Does It. Come on, don't be a spoil sport. No one's looking, no one cares. Everybody does it. This enticing voice declares. Carmelita Rojas feels this challenge like a vice. Backed into a corner, her emotions freeze like ice. This outing to the mall is metamorphosing and shifting into a mini crime spree of unlimited shoplifting. Gina's filled her empty purse with lipstick and eyeliner. Roxy's stolen perfume. She's a diehard Calvin Kleiner. Now Michelle has set her sights on polish for her nails, while Coco tries for jewelry she had scouted out at Zales. Carmelita folds her hands and puts them to her lips, conscious of the silken scarf she's fashioned round her hips. She'd wanted to just try it on to see it in a mirror, when Gina's awful challenge brought temptation ever nearer. It wasn't even that the scarf was anything she wanted. More, she feared the act of being ridiculed and taunted. The girls would give it to her, make her feel just like a fool. Already it was tough being the newest kid in school. How easy it would be to simply leave the store in haste, with the newly stolen scarf still fastened firmly around her waist. Then she thought about her bracelet, those initials on her wrist, the ones designed to guide her, give her conscience and assist. What would Jesus do? The only really valid question. She shook her head at Gina with a tentative expression. No, I just don't think so. She untied that silk taboo. I know without a doubt that Jesus wouldn't want me to. Jesus? muttered Gina. Oh, please tell me that you're kidding. You really let religion cloud your mind to do its bidding? What's up? said Coco, drawing near. You guys pick out your stuff? Carmelita's stubborn. Gina grumbled in a huff. 
Carmelita, Coco said. Come on, don't make a fuss. Do it, and you've demonstrated that you're one of us. I just... It isn't right, said Carmelita. It's not me. The girls rolled their eyes at her perceived pathetic plea. Roxy and Michelle walk up. What's, What's going, going on? on? They asked. Carmelita, Gina said, is about to get the axe. This is what we do, okay? We pocket what we want. Don't you have the guts? Gina jabs her with a taunt. Come on, Carm, said Roxy. We're not hurting anyone. These stores all have insurance. Let's just have a little fun. I'm sorry, Carmelita said. I just can't go along and blatantly ignore something my Bible says is wrong. This brought peals of laughter and words of scoffing and complaint. Well, 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 said Gina. Seems we've got ourselves a saint. You stay here with Jesus. We've got better things to do. Maybe if you're tired, you can find yourself a pew. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing, they departed. Carmelita fully dissed, tearfully held tightly to the bracelet on her wrist. Story 2. Hidden Treasure Sounds of distant traffic waft like static between the bars. Beyond, Mustafa knows the sky is glistening with stars. But this, he must imagine, activate his memory. For what is free to other men, he's not allowed to see. His world is eight by seven, cinder block and hammered steel, a sagging bunk, a blanket, pounded earth beneath his heel. The window, high, elusive, through which countless days have dawned, is simply overshadowed by the prison wall beyond. His only means of writing is a forgotten rusty nail, with which he etches days in crumbling plaster without fail. These marks seem vast and countless, and so exorbitantly priced. A chiseled, somber testament of all he sacrificed. Does he now regret it? Yeah, that sneaks into his mind, but how can one now sighted re-embrace what made him blind? Mustafa slowly rises, puts his ear against the door, listening for the sounds of footsteps on the hallway floor. When silence greets his efforts, stealth and secret are his aim as he reaches for the bed and lifts the rusty metal frame. Placing thumb and finger in the hollow iron leg, he now removes some papers he had wrapped around a peg. It's not an intact Bible, but this bit will have to do. It was all that he could carry, deftly smuggled in his shoe. He reads the sacred phrases from the precious book of Psalms, and as he does, his soul is fed, his fears recede and calm. The word that now revives him is the truth that he'd received. When introduced to Jesus Christ, he'd simply just believed. And not a small decision, nonchalant at any time. For here, 
in his Afghanistan, believing is a crime. Release would be so easy. Just backpedal and recant. Denounce the faith of infidels, Muhammad's law replant. But well, Mustafa knows if his belief he somehow smothered, he'd simply be exchanging one stark prison for another. His comforts found in this. The loving savior was despised, and those who also bear this yoke are precious in his eyes. And so Mustafa tarries, though confined by lock and key. His spirit and his very soul have never been more free. Story three, On Your Knees. The street is dark and silent, shadowed by a quarter moon. In the North Korean village, just outside of Kunusung, figures move with purpose toward a common destination, some with great insistency and some with hesitation. Eventually, they gather at a simple stable door. Lights within are flickering from lanterns on the floor. A knock, complex staccato, is tattooed on this abode, memorized distinctly and quite clearly done in code. Whispered voices carry from behind the entryway. The door is slightly opened and they hear a person say, Were any of you followed? Did you take the lesser streets? No one followed us, is answered. May we take our seats? The door is opened wider as the dwelling now is shared. A man within is smiling. Peace be with you, is declared. Half-filled benches beckon as the travelers move inside. Two dozen men and women crudely seated here abide. The man who'd kept the doorway stands before them in the light. My brothers and my sisters, may God favor you this night. He brandishes a Bible. Several others have one too, hidden in their clothing and kept distinctly out of view. A precious, rare commodity, as fragile as a breath. Owning one can lead to prison, persecution, death. The man who is their pastor reads aloud the book of Luke. Peter's grim denial, yes, his prophesied rebuke. Peter knew the fear that all of us have come to know, the sometimes heavy harvest that the words of Jesus sow. Yet we meet in great thanksgiving, though our church be underground, knowing we're in danger should this gathering be found. Peter failed initially the testing of the Lord, but Jesus wasn't done with him, and Peter was restored. We may also falter in a darkened, fateful hour, but never are we far from God's redeeming grace and power. Let us kneel together on this simple, humble floor. Suddenly, loud knocking was cascading on the door. 
This was not the code. That every member can attest. This was dark authority and the peril of arrest. Open up this door! A voice's raging volume grew. Do it or so help me. It will be much worse for you. The pastor dropped his head. There was no chance of their escape. The members sat there frozen with their silent mouths agape. Images of children, parents, echo through their minds as brutal, stubborn knocking lashes out a second time. If you don't comply, the voice in growing temper shouts, we'll torch this cursed building. We will gladly burn you out. The pastor heaves a sigh like none he's ever heaved before walks in resignation and then opens up the door. Bursting in the anxious room, three soldiers eye the crowd, leveling their rifles, all the people gasp aloud. So, our intel was correct. One of the soldiers roughly sneered. We found a group of criminals conspiring, it appears. Looking at the Bibles. You want to go to heaven? On your knees, he gestured with his AK-47. Tearfully and shaking, the parishioners comply, fully now convinced that they are all about to die. Spewing his contempt, the soldier wears an evil grin. I've got a little bargain, proposition now to spin. If you want to live, this Jesus Christ, you must deny. Stand and make this statement. He looked each one in the eye. If your foolish treason and disloyalty is spurned, you may leave this building and you're never to return. Should you choose to pass on this opportunity of mine, you'll soon know for certain if your Jesus is divine. Rifles at the ready, all the room is tense and mute. When suddenly a man cries, I deny him, please don't shoot. Another man and woman doused in tears of dread and shame also cry in desperation, We, we deny, deny his, his name. All together eight of the assembled people shout, We confess our treason. Please forgive us, let us out. The soldier nods his head and the relieved contingent rise. Herded in a group, they hear his final words chastise. Never talk about this night, for if you do, then know, we will come and find you. With a shout, he said, Now go! Looking to the others, kneeling in their rigid fright, the eight choke mournful noises as they run into the night. The soldiers quick secure the door, then turn back to the room. Fearful, yet determined faces meet them from the gloom. Striding to the pastor, kneeling small and unprotected, the soldiers then did something unforeseen and unexpected. They lay aside their rifles, gently lift him to his feet, and in a soothing manner, the chief soldier starts to speak. Please, forgive our methods, our disruption of your church. 
we had to be relentless and determined in our search. You see, we three are Christians. In our business, it's assured that death will follow quickly if another breathes a word. And so, we separated those unequal to the strife. And you who here remain, you love the Savior more than life. We're desperate for fellowship, to gather with the few. May we stay and be your brothers. May we pray with you. The people take their solace, melting in each other's arms, lifting thanks to Jesus that he saved them from all harm. The pastor thinks a moment and then softly utters, Please, brothers, lay your burdens down and join us on your knees. Blessed are the persecuted, theirs is paradise. Suffering for righteousness, yes, sometimes there's a price. It's not fulfilled with coin or wealth, with riches or with gold. It's often paid in meekness that by God is seen as bold. For some, the price is poignant when a clash of values ends and we lose the good opinion of someone we call our friend. And sometimes it is sated, satisfied, or realized in precious sacred currency with freedom or with lives. Whatever the particulars, we're called to count the cost. When genuine is gained, then only counterfeit is lost. May joy be our foundation for all other ground is dust. Our Jesus never wavered when he paid the price for us. During his time on earth, Jesus certainly said many beautiful things. He also said some really tough things, perhaps none tougher than this last of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecution can take many forms, from the rejection of a relationship or community to actual imprisonment and death. Why does God allow such difficulties to occur? And why would Jesus promise a special blessing for those who endure such pain and hardship? I believe there is no more powerful witness to the reality of the gospel than when someone endures persecution for the sake of what they believe. The disciples were perhaps the greatest example of this. If anyone was in a position to know the truth of who Jesus was, it was these men. And yet each, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death refusing to denounce that which they knew to be true. Even John, who survived being boiled in oil, spent his final years in exile on the island of Patmos, where he received the revelation. It was the strength of the witness of these men that was the foundation of the early church. Today, our witness as Christians is every bit as powerful and important 
let us stand firm in love for the sake of the truth of the gospel. And let us pray for those who do so in the most trying of circumstances, often leading to the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of the Savior they love. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. The Price was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Additional voices were provided by Sidney Kappenman, Adonia Sagai, Livy Fifley, Fiona Williams, Jacob Isaacs, Jordan Miles, Kevin LaRoche, Heather LaRoche, Daniel Son, and Micah Son. Devotional thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, may your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes. <laughs>